This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Time now for our fortnightly catch-up with Dunedin Mayor Aaron Hawkins who joins us on the line now. Uh, Morena, Aaron, good to have you with us. Good morning. It's of course a busy week. The uh, deliberations on the 10-year plan ongoing and no doubt you'll be tearing back into that again this morning. Um, so we'll just... Uh, catch up on a couple of issues there's been so much decided determined or deferred that it's uh, impossible for us to cover off everything but I guess uh, one of the things that you'll be most happiest about is to finally get over the line uh, some of the decisions around uh, recycling and rubbish in the city yeah absolutely it's a it's a big week I'm absolutely not spending uh, all of the overnight between deliberations meetings watching the cricket but um uh, the the recycling, the curbside collection system uh, feels like it's been under review almost since it began. Uh, in, in 2007, when Council first brought it in, uh, there was specifically a, a question asked about whether or not we should have a, an organic waste collection, green waste collection. Uh, there were about 10,000 submissions on that at the time. It was roughly split 50-50 in the community and Council decided not to. And as a result of that, we are 15 years behind developing the, the infrastructure that we need to support uh, getting food waste in particular uh, out of the landfill uh, because, one, it's, I mean, it's uh, not the best use of that resource, but two, it's a significant liability for us in terms of its uh, greenhouse gas emissions and our, our, our liabilities under the ETS. So... Uh, yep, getting getting the getting agreement at council around a new curbside collection system, which will include a a, a green waste uh, option for people that is optional, uh, a food waste uh, collection caddy that will can sit under your sink or on your bench, uh, and the existing uh, recycling bins and replacing the black plastic bags uh, with a a red lidded waste bin. So that's what the new uh, system will will look like. That will roll out mid-2023, which feels like a long time at this point, but what it does allow us to do in the two years, but also between now and then, is, is work with our community and, and various interested parties, whether they're community groups or commercial interests, and in designing a, a, a diversion system and a resource recovery system uh, that, that meets the, the needs of the community, and there's certainly a, a growing interest, particularly in um, larger-scale uh, composting around the city, being led by um, businesses and, and community groups, and those are the sorts of people that we want to work with uh, to make sure that we we get it right uh, by the time we start turning up and picking it up from outside people's houses. Certainly one of the hot-button topics, and probably the one that um, uh, causes most an emotional response, I suppose, around the city, uh, not just in submitters, but indeed in yourself has been this discussion around um, transport and parking and kind of those issues are, are separate and, and seem to have been bundled together by many, of course, I suppose, for understandable reasons. But um, the decision that uh, a consultant's report uh, has that had suggested that we have an ample supply of cheap all-day parking was essentially backed by the City Council. You've decided that a work plan should be developed based on the recommendations of um, the consultants um, that should come back to the Council Committee for consideration. 
in the wash up from some of the discussion around that, um, you know, there was a bit of publicity about your your own view on this and your own emotional response to this. And I, this, the essence of what I picked up on, on from from that, Aaron, was was this issue of um, you use the word convenience and how um, it's obviously necessary for the public moving forward if if this council is to move ahead in the way it wants to on these issues for for us all to challenge this notion of what's convenient for us and what isn't and our own sense of a personal um, a loss or affront to our rights uh, around things that we've always expected to be supplied by a council and the infrastructure and, and the, around uh, vehicles. Uh, and essentially what you were seem to be saying was, no, we need to stop looking at our own personal um, convenience around this, and we need to consider the much, much wider issue of what's going on in the planet, essentially. Yeah, it's certainly true that people get emotional about car parking. Uh, I don't get emotional about car parking. I, I do get emotional about uh, about climate change and, and climate action. And uh, if we are serious about um, building our cities for the future and the the needs of people who come after us. Uh, then we need to uh, rethink our transport system uh, and and uh, and invest in that resource differently. Uh, and and I appreciate that um, you know. And, and this isn't you know, convenience and the, the the issues around um, and it's seductive, isn't it? But it's and it's not just a transport thing. It's the same conversation we can have about our food systems or. Uh, fast fashion and, and all of these um, um, developments that are relatively modern, um, you know, the, the, in the last in, in the last few decades in the in the global era. Uh, but the point I was, I was trying to make was that um, that cannot be uh, the the point at which we work backwards from uh, convenience to the individual. And I and I say that from a position of privilege. I understand. Uh, that I, you know, I'm a, an able-bodied um, person who is able to do that, and and the, and it's not about making it difficult for everyone, uh, and and particularly for those people who have uh, impairment or mobility uh, challenges. Uh, it's about those of us who don't getting out of the way so that we can allocate the resource that we do have according to the greatest need, and we obsess about this overall quantum. Of, of car parking as a resource uh, and when what we need to be doing is having a more uh, mature conversation, a more nuanced conversation about what who that is for and, and where the greatest need is and, and that's not just about you know, mobility parking, it's about um, how long uh, is appropriate for people to use parks in certain parts of the city and that changes when the mix of businesses and uh, and so forth, change in your city centre. Uh, but it's also about yeah, is is the priority to provide parking for commuters, people coming in uh, to work in the city centre, or uh, is the priority uh, to focus on shoppers and visitors and, and freeing up that space? And one of the recommendations in the Cagney report, and I mean, Council hasn't adopted them, but the the there'll be a work plan coming back to look at what we how we could, if that's uh, if we were of a mind to, but. Yeah, one of their recommendations is 
looking seriously at uh, leased parking uh, as a as, as, and whether that's the most efficient use of that resource, uh, and also the the cost of all day parking, um, which you know in the in the in the suburbs is well, I mean, nothing's free, but the people parking there don't don't pay for for that. But even where you do pay for all day parking in the city centre, we're talking six bucks at the railway station in in places like that which is incredibly cheap compared to um, uh, other cities of our size and significantly less than what the market uh, delivers that service for Uh, and it's relevant to the conversation that people were having about the parking needs of the New Dunedin Hospital Uh, and it's certainly far less likely that a private uh, enterprise will come in and provide that parking resource as part of the New Dunedin Hospital precinct if the city continues to uh, offer those services at uh, far, far below uh, what the market rate is for them. So it's, a, it's, it's complicated and, and there are a lot of, and there are, um, you know, uh, questions about values and priorities and, and, and those are things that we'll uh, thrash out in putting together this uh, parking management Policy over the next uh, over the next year or so, but that is where the discussion about that particular part of the transport network needs to sit, and not this kind of slavish concern about uh, how many parks might be lost from this street or that street as a result of any of the other work that we're doing. Uh, but it has to be considered as part of our in, an integrated transport network uh, and that encourages people for whom it is an option uh, to to use public transport, to, um, to use active modes, walking and cycling and so on, uh, which frees up room uh, for people for whom that genuinely isn't an option. And I appreciate that. Uh, but it is in their best interest uh, for us to invest in a network that takes uh, the pressure off them and, and that prioritises them according to need. So some decisions yet to be made, but some decisions already uh, approved, uh, and particularly around uh, things, measures designed to alleviate the impact of the New Zealand hospital being built. There's uh, approval for the bus, uh, Princess Street bus priority and corridor safety plan, uh, improvements to pedestrian and cycling safety in St Andrew and Albany streets, uh, park and ride facilities at Mosgiel and Burnside, bike hubs, etc. So um, some some decisions you were able to roll out this week. Yeah, there's a significant uh, capital projects as part of the, and collectively they are the, uh, the shaping Futures and Need and Transport uh, project, and and that is, um, as you say, using the New Dunedin Hospital as a catalyst for rethinking how uh, how we move into and, and around the the city centre, and all of those things uh, still need to be go through you know detailed design. I can't, we, there are plenty of options, for example, as to how a, a bus priority lane and Princess Street might work with it. Uh, it doesn't have to be a permanent lane of traffic. It could be clear ways at peak times, or um, uh, you know, or uh, signal priorities at, at, at traffic lights. Those sorts of things. But that that will all get worked through in the uh, in the design. Uh, but certainly, it's also uh, we aren't in control of our entire uh, transport network. And, and for this to be as effective as we need it to be, uh, we equally need our, our colleagues at the. Otago Regional Council in terms of the bus service and Waka Kotaki in terms of the state highway system uh, to be making 
the best long-term decisions in the interest of uh, our city and, and our community, and, and that is out of our direct control. Uh, but certainly those uh, those conversations they continue on in the background because uh, we, need, uh, all of, we need all of those parts to be working together and to build a um, 21st century transport network for Dunedin. Touching now on a topic that we've uh, broached a couple of times here, uh, and that's been the uh, concerns raised by various sectors of the creative community about uh, the proposals around the mid-sized theatre uh, plan. And uh, interesting to see that this week, essentially, the decision made to go out and ask a few more questions of people. Yeah, it's, it's partly about um, timing, unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to put out the the documents around the the FNAM proposal um, for public feedback through the ten year plan process. Uh, so it seemed uh, it seemed I mean, and given that the the money isn't in the budget until twenty twenty five twenty six to start the build work, uh, it seemed um, it seemed prudent uh, to you know, take those plans out for people to have a look at and, and give feedback on. Um, before we make a commitment, uh, we got varied uh, feedback from the from the creative community, not just about the two options put up, the F and A or the Mayfair, but the wider need. Um, and you know, <clears throat> we need a we need a building that is um, can seat hundred odd uh, seat theatre performances, four hundred ish theatre performances, five to eight hundred people standing. Uh, at, a, at a music concert with an acoustic treatment that suits both rock and roll shows and uh, chamber music presentations of a more of a symphonic nature. And while an, an individual facility can be flexible, uh, I think trying to accommodate all of those things would stretch that to to breaking point. So, I mean, it's, it's becoming uh, obvious to me that we have um, many challenges in terms of providing the right infrastructure for the creative ecosystem if you like uh, but that won't, there won't be a single solution to that uh, and, and so um, and, and so we will, I mean we're progressing with the, the, the theatre venue option uh, but I don't think we can continue pretending like that is going to be the, the sole fix to everything our music community needs in particular example uh, and so those uh, conversations will need to happen in parallel. There's obviously more urgent needs around managing particularly uh, regulatory issues with noise control and, and, and building code compliance and those sorts of things, but in the in longer term uh, we, we equally need to be thinking about uh, how we, you know, whether we have the right mix of venues and facilities to cater for, uh, particularly and mid-scale um, international touring bands when that becomes a, a reality again and, and whether we have the right facilities for them. It's going to be interesting to see how that one rolls out. Indeed, um, so many decisions uh, already made this week that we can't um, uh, pull apart right here today. Uh, so let's let's not attempt to do that and let's just ask about what uh, what you're up to today, what's on the agenda for today. Yeah, so I mean, we've worked through the the... The particular questions that we asked for direct feedback on through the through the ten year plan and you know, around uh, community housing and um, 
uh, and curbside recycling and transport and so on. Uh, and, and yesterday we moved on to responding to requests uh, made through submissions, and some of those are for money for things, and some of those are for work to be done or asking staff to go away and, and do some more work on things and, and bring them back to subsequent budget meetings. But um, I'm not a gambling man. I'd, I'd hate to try and predict where that meeting is going to go. And it's the, this is the opportunity that elected me- that all elected members have to uh, float ideas and um, debate uh, how we resource various things and what our priorities are. And um, it's, yeah, it's, it's always a, a, a constructive and robust process Constructive and robust. Yes, that's one way of describing it. Uh, <laughs> some of uh, some of the behaviour always interesting to watch. But anyway, good luck with all of the deliberations. Good luck with all the decision making. I uh, um, thank you for the time that you've given us this morning, Aaron, to uh, talk about just a few of the uh, issues that have come up through the course of the ten-year plan deliberations. We do look forward uh, to talking with you again in a fortnight when, uh, of course, a lot more will be clear about, about how the dust this process... Settled. Yes, literally the dust <laughs> settled. Uh, thanks so much. Good luck for today and the rest of the week. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.